Let me ask you a question uh, this morning. Is there anything in this world that you wish was different? I think there is. There is even some giggles out there. Is there anything in this world that you wish was different? That's what we're going to be talking about this morning. And, uh, you know, there are things that we wish were different that we just have to deal with, right? Because that's just the way it is. And there are things that we wish were different that we have control over and we can actually make different, right? And, of course, the wisdom is to know the difference. What are the things that we just have to deal with and what are the things that we can change, that we have a hand in, that we can affect, that we can have an impact on? Let me ask it this way. What are the things that God can change? If, if there are things about this world that we wish were different, some of them we just have to put up with, some of them we can deal with, but how many of those things can God deal with? Can God change? Could God make a difference in? Let's pray, and we're going to talk about vision this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your holy scriptures. I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, Father, that you don't leave us here to wander around to do the best we can, but you guide us by your spirit and you guide us by your word. Help us to see what you've got for us today. Help us to grab hold of your truth. Bless our time. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. So, if there are things in this world that we wish were different, how do we change them? How do we make them different? Because, I tell you what, there's a whole lot of things that we think we can't change, but that we can. What did Jesus say about mountains? He said, if... He said, they can be cast into the sea. You can move mountains. Now, of course, we're not going to go to Spirit Mountain and say, go fly into Lake Superior. You know, uh, we're not going to do a little afternoon trip to Spirit Mountain. But what was Jesus getting at? He was getting at this. Something that you think is impossible is possible. There are things that you think aren't even close to being able to be done. But if you could see it, you would know it could change. There could be a difference. There could be the mountain moving. But if you think it can't move and you don't have faith for it to move, it's not going to move. Right? If we can see what God has planned and we can have faith for that, then we can believe for the mountains to move. Now, uh, the drums are kind of in the way, but there's a couple of rocks on the base of the cross here. And I've had people ask me, how come there's little rocks on the base of the cross? And uh, now there's a rubber band on the base of the cross as well. And so I'm going to tell you the story of the rocks and the rubber band. Um, The one rock, I don't have the whole story, but I have the story about that rock uh, on this side. That rock, I went to um, Young Life Camp uh, when, you know, a few years ago. It was really fun. They had Mastercraft wakeboarding boats and got to go behind a big Mastercraft boat. Super, super awesome. Fly through the air. It was really fun. Um, And they have, you know, of course, they have services in the evenings and all kinds of activities. And one of the things they did at Young Life Camp uh, 
was they talked about the burdens that we carry that don't belong to us and that we need to lay those burdens down and set them at the feet of Jesus. And so they had these little pebbles um, and they said, what you should do is you should come and put those things down at the feet of Jesus, let them go, and then pick up one of those little rocks and carry that instead. And then each time that you look at that little rock, you'll remember, oh yeah, I laid that burden down and now I just have this little rock and I can carry that around. That's not a problem. So that was back when we were at one service and I wanted to go to two services really bad. And people were like, you're going to kill us, man. You know, like we don't have enough volunteers to do two services. And I'm like, let's do it. Let's do it. And uh, everybody's like, no. And, And so, you know, I was like, and I've gotten out in front of God before. Anybody ever get out in front of God? Yeah, it's, it's not the fun place to be, right? If you're, if you're riding the wave of what God is doing, His yoke is easy and His burden is light. If you're out 100 yards in front of the wave trying to swim, it's not fun. You know, get ride the wave. It's the way it's supposed to be. You get out in front, it's a whole lot of work. You don't get a whole lot done. We ride the wave. And so I was out in front... And I needed to lay that burden down. I needed to say, okay, Lord, in your timing, that's what I want. So I picked up the little pebble and I said, Lord, whatever you want to do, I'm okay with your timing. I'm going to have to let that go. And so I brought it and put it uh, on the cross to remind me, in each stage of the development of the church, Mike, let it go. Ride the wave. Don't try to make the wave. Don't try to get out in front of the wave. Ride the wave of what God is doing. And so that's the one rock. The other rock, I don't know how it got there, but it's really cool. Uh, somebody else put it there. It's got a butterfly on it. It says journey. It's like it's got engravings in it. It's pretty, pretty, pretty spiffy. So I decided I should leave that one there. Um, <clears throat> and then there's a rubber band. And uh, the rubber band... I got at the Equip Conference this year. And uh, um, Pastor Choco De Jesus, anybody know who that is? Raise your hand if you know who he is. We've got a few people, the ones who have been to the Equip Conference. All right, he's a pastor of a church in uh, Chicago, 17,000 people. Uh, they're doing just perfectly fine. He's a, he's a, he's a big guy. Uh, he's a big, strong guy, too, you know, uh, Hispanic uh, pastor in Chicago, church 17,000 people. That's pretty impressive. You know what their monthly payment is for their building? Their monthly payment, $225,000. <laughs> Come on. Uh, what do you guys think? Are we doing okay? We'll be just under three, you know, when, <laughs> when we build that thing. <laughs> if we spend all the money that we have approved for our loan, we'll be under 3000 for our monthly payment. Two twenty-five. That's amazing, you know. Uh, and he talked about the power of tension. And um, he said that reality is here, Right? And we all want reality to change and to be better and for things to get better. We want that mountain to move. But if all we can see is what's going on right now, we're not going to move into the next phase. We're not going to be able to grab hold of the future because we don't see it. So he said, casting vision, giving vision. So reality is here. 
vision is here. And he used the rubber band. He said, so the rubber band stretches. And you see vision and here's reality. And if you hold this, if you hold to the vision, the God-given vision, the wave, not swimming out on your own in the ocean, but the wave, that God-given vision, then the tension will pull reality up to the vision. And the question was, or that I'm, I'm asking today, what can God change? If there's things about this world that we wish were different, what could God change? What does He want to change? Let me ask you just a few very, very basic questions. Would God want His people to be more engaged in serving Him? That's pretty clear. Would God want His people to be whole on the inside? Absolutely. Would God want His people to be filled with joy and be lights of joy in the world? Absolutely. There are lots of things that we know God would want and that God can do. And if we can see it, we can be pulled up to it. But we have to be able to see it. We have to be able to understand where are we going. And we've got long-term vision. I'm going to talk about the vision statement. Anybody getting sick of the vision statement? Because I'm going to keep talking about it till you get sick of it. Because I want you to know exactly what it is. We had a uh, staff and board Christmas party uh, this year. And they all knew the vision statement. Isn't that incredible? You go to find another church where everybody knows the vision statement. You know, I mean, come on. It's not easy to do. But here's the, the broad vision, the vision statement of Good Hope Church. And then we're going to talk about specific vision. Um, because we've got to put steps in place in order to get there. Broad vision, the vision statement, reach up, rise up, and reach out. Right? Say it with me. Reach up, rise up reach out. So what we need to do as believers is we need to connect with the living God. Amen? If we're not connecting with the living God, did you know you can go to church and not connect with God? You can attend church without knowing God. You can attend this church without knowing God. Don't do that. Get to know Jesus. Get to know the living God. Pray, worship, connect with God through studying the scriptures and asking God for guidance and wisdom. Connect with God. I can't do that for you. That's up to you. Reach up. What happens when we connect with God? I tell you what, it's going to change something in here. It's going to bring you into a better place. Once we connect with God, then we can rise up out of the junk, pulling us down into the life God created us to have, into the place of purpose, into who we were meant to be. And then we can reach out. Then we can make a difference in this world. Then we can do something. Now, if we have not connected with God and we're all completely messed up, full of bitterness and anger and uh, all this stuff, and then we try to reach out with the gospel, how's that going to go? It's going to be a disaster, right? Because we're not letting our little light shine. We're just 
spreading some sort of religious ick. So we need to connect with God, get better, and then reach this world for Jesus. There's one thing, in my opinion, that is the key to revival, the key to changing this world. There's one thing, and it's simply this, that Christians would be good at being Christians. If that was the case, this world would change. If Christians were good at being Christians, this world would be a different place. Amen? Amen. Having fun this morning? <laughs> that, dude is, that dude's going off, man. All right. Uh, let's read James 4.8. We've read this a few times here recently, but I just, for some reason, I'm in love with this verse. It says, Come near to God and He will come near to you. What an incredible promise that is. If we're going to reach up to God, is He going to push us away? The promise is, if we come near to Him, if we draw near to the living God, He will draw near to us. That's an incredible promise. We can expect that. And I I looked up the word you in there, in the Greek, and it's plural. And so I'm not sure that it necessarily means only group. I think it means if the group reaches up to God, God will draw near to the group. And of course, if the individual reaches towards God, God will draw near to the individual. But don't miss the group meaning of this. If a church draws near to God, will God draw near to that church? Amen. If a nation draws near to God, will God draw near to that nation? Yes. We have a responsibility corporately to draw near to God. Because then He will draw near to us. Amen? That's exciting. And of course, only the perfect people get to do that. The rest of the verse explains that James... Yeah. Why does God use imperfect people? No other option. That's why God uses imperfect people. All right. Come near to God and He will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. James is so friendly. You know, he's just like, here's the deal. So, draw near to God. Who? Double-minded sinners. The promise is true for double-minded sinners. Why not for us? Right? Sinners, of course, I think, hopefully we understand that. You know, God has a wonderful, amazing plan for an eternal kingdom with no tears, no pain. Nobody ever does anything to hurt anybody else. It's just awesome. That's what he wants. We call it heaven. If you were there, and that would wreck it, then you have sin on you. For example, if you sometimes get super crabby and say mean things to people, that doesn't fit in heaven. You can't go. That's sin. Okay, That separates us. From God's plan. If you like to steal things, you can't go. You know, that that doesn't happen in heaven. You know, all these different things. If we do the things that don't fit with that, we, we can't go. We're disqualified. But, what's the good news in that? We have a way to be washed. We have a way to wash our hands. We have the blood of Christ 
to take our sins away, to give us a righteousness, meaning we are right to fit in God's kingdom that isn't our righteousness, but it's Christ's righteousness given to us so we belong. Amen? Isn't that a big deal? Because when you think about that, you're thinking, I don't think I'm going to make it. Well, the, the scripture's quite clear. You're not going to. So hallelujah, you've got a righteousness that's not your own. You don't earn your way. You don't prove your way. You don't make it happen. You just release yourself and receive the righteousness of Christ. We connect with God. Forgives us of our sins. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Have you ever had one foot in the kingdom of God and one foot in the world? I'm serving God at least an hour and maybe 20 minutes if the guy talks a long time. But for the rest of the time, I'm thinking about other things. My allegiance is divided. I want enough of God to go to heaven, but enough of the devil to have fun on the way. Okay, double-minded. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. If we're going to rise up, we're going to be good at being Christians, we're going to need to wash our hands, ask God to forgive us of our sins, and then do our best to quit doing that stuff. Because there's a part you've got to play. And then we need to purify our hearts, no longer be double-minded, no longer be sort of serving God, but say, Lord, my life is yours. And you know what happens when we give our life to Christ? I've, I've, I've done this. <laughs> he gives it back to you even better than what you gave to Him. You clutch to it thinking, I'm going to protect something. You just let it go. He gives you back better than what you gave Him. It's amazing stuff. Reach up. Draw near to God, rise up, wash your hands, purify your hearts. Do you know God expects us to get better? Let's read, we're just going to read Hebrews 5.12, just verse 12. Hebrews 5.12, let's look for the word ought. Ought. Have you ever had somebody use the word ought with you? What does it mean? It means you're not meeting expectations, but there's no reason for you to have not met those expectations, right? That's what ought means. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's Word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. By this time, you ought to be teachers. This means that these people got saved 10 years ago, and they're still just taking They're not good at being Christians yet. They still need to be trained. They're still at entry level. And they should be teachers. They ought to be. Is this a problem? It is if the world's going to change. It is if things are going to be different. Because the way things get different is by Christians getting good at being Christians. That's how the world changes. You ought to be teachers. There's a biblical expectation that we get good at being Christians. And wouldn't you want to be good at it anyway? Have you ever been part of something where it was just terrible? I wrestled in high school. Our team got second 
in the state tournament. We, you know, I went to, I got to go to the state tournament four times. It was a lot of fun. Um, placed a couple of times. It was a wonderful team to be a part of. Then I wrestled in college. And my college wrestling team was terrible. We had guys on our college team that were not on the varsity team in high school. We had guys on our college team that lost every match they wrestled. They got pinned in every match they wrestled. And they got pinned in the first period of every match they ever wrestled. It was a terrible, terrible team. And that's not nearly as fun as being on a good team. The body of Christ, when functioning well, gets to see people saved, gets to see people delivered, gets to see marriages restored, gets to see people set free from the bondage of sin, gets to see life change for people and amazing things happen. That's fun. But just showing up for an obligation on Sunday and getting bored is really not fun. That's like my, (laughs) that's when it's not working. We want it to work. We want to succeed. We want to win. Amen? Amen. How you feeling? You feeling good? Feeling happy? Are you thinking to yourself, he's going to ask me to do something. Is that, is that, you know, how many, Tim Hawkins is a Christian comedian. He's like, he's like, I hate it when people say I've got a servant's heart. He's like, servant's heart, what, you want me to start stacking chairs? What are you talking about? You know, he's like, you, you, you want something from me, don't you? I want something from you. I want you to be good at being a Christian. Because that's going to make a difference. It's going to make a difference for you. It's going to make a difference for this whole world. Eternity will be different if we're good at this. Reach out. We're supposed to make a difference. If we connect with God, that's step one. Awesome. You can do that as a double-minded sinner, right? You can... You can draw near to God as a double-minded sinner. Go ahead. Don't fix your double-minded sinnerness. Draw near to God first. That other stuff will start to take effect next. That's the rise up part. Then the reach out. We have a purpose. We have a reason to be. We're not here accidentally. We have a, a divine purpose for our existence. We need to make a difference. Let's read 1 Timothy 1 and verses 18 and 19. This is the Apostle Paul writing a letter to his young protege, Timothy. And uh, Timothy was at the prayer meeting, and they were all praying. And somebody uh, got a prophetic word about Timothy, and they went over to Timothy and laid hands on him and said, this is going to be a mighty man of God. And they, they prayed over him, and Timothy had a call on his life. But Timothy was nervous about that. He was young. He wasn't really sure what he was doing. The older Christians were looking at him like, oh, who do you think you are, you little kid? You don't, you know, like, how can you say something? And so he was all nervous. He didn't really like to take that leadership place. And Paul's encouraging him. So Paul says, Timothy, my son, I give you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies once made about you so that by following them you may fight the good fight, holding on to faith and a good conscience. Some have rejected these and so have shipwrecked their faith. How can you shipwreck your faith? I believe Paul is warning Timothy. Timothy, you have a call on your life. 
Don't let that call get shipwrecked. Don't let it get sidetracked. Don't get off of it. Don't be too afraid to make it happen. You need to step out. You need to live the life God has called you to live. That's a great life to live. And so be careful not to shipwreck your faith. According to this, how can we shipwreck our faith? Well, by not holding on to faith and a good conscience. Faith is, I'm going to define faith for you this morning. Faith is believing that God can do what He said He will do. Because we start to think, okay, God said this, but I see this. Faith is, I believe what God says. Not, well, this is just the way it is. Hold on to the vision God has for you in your life Hold on to God's plan and a good conscience. What does a good conscience mean? That means, maybe it's just me, but have you ever done something you know you shouldn't do? (laughs) On the inside, you know, I should not do that. And then you're like, I just did it. A good conscience is when you're able to control yourself and not do that thing. Hold on to faith. Believe in God's promises. And don't don't do stuff you know you're not supposed to do. Get good at it. Hold on to faith. Hold on to a good conscience. Then you can fight the good fight. Is it easy? It is not easy. Um... Did Jesus say, my yoke is easy and my burden is light? He did. Was he lying? So is it easy? Or is it hard? Hmm. Well, it's not like easy, like easy chair easy. Right? It's not lazy boy easy. But I tell you what, serving God is better than any other life you can live. It's a place where you have peace in your heart if you get good at it. If you got one foot with Jesus and one foot in the world, you're going to have guilt all the time, anxiety, all kinds of you know, internal struggles, and that's not easy. Well, when you just let it go and follow the Lord, that's easy. It's especially easy on your heart, on your conscience, because you're just doing the best you can. And you know your Lord loves you, and He'll see you through. You can walk by faith. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. It says this. Oh, wow, wow, wow. Remember last week? If you were here last week, I said, what if we just did what the Bible says? What if we just did what this says? Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. If we as believers ran in such a way as to get the prize, we'd be good at it, right? It wouldn't be that thing of, well, I wonder what I can get away with and still go to heaven. I wonder how far I can slip away from God and still go to heaven. I wonder how little I can do for the kingdom and still go to heaven. You wouldn't be thinking that. You'd be thinking, you know, how can I get last place but still finish the race? You'd be thinking, how do I win? How do I get first? Not top 10%. How do I get first place? How do I win? Run in such a way as to win the prize, to be the champion. Let's go to the next verse. 
Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Is it worth it? We can be blinded and think, oh, what difference does it make? And, oh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to study the Bible today. I don't want to do my prayer time. I don't want to show up for church. Is it worth it? A crown that will last forever. Nothing in this world compares to that. Well done, good and faithful servant. I could go on and on with that. I think you get that. Verse 26. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. I told this story last night. I'm going to tell it again. Uh, TJ, I used to wrestle with TJ. And he he would, I know these people. Um, And uh, he wanted to be an MMA fighter. So he's like, hey, Mike, you teach me some wrestling? I'm like, Okay. And so I taught him some wrestling, and we goofed around a little bit. And then, and then one day he's like, hey, uh, do you want to spar? I'm like, okay. You know, so he's like, I got some gloves. I'm like, all right, let's, let's do it. So, so we, we, uh, we cleared out all the chairs in the church, and we we'd, uh, sparred in, the, in there. We had this little egg timer, you know. And so you know, the one that goes, ding. And so we, we set it to minute, one minute. We're like, okay, we're, gonna, we're just going to start one minute. And so we had our gloves and all that stuff. And, and uh, like, okay, go. You know, we had a minute. And we're, we're hopping around and swinging and all this stuff. And, and, and it was exhausting. And we never got within six feet of each other. You know? I mean, it w- I'm glad it wasn't videotaped because it was ridiculous. And then I thought of 1 Corinthians 9.26. And I thought, I get it. I understand what that verse means now. Because what is a man beating the air? You're shadow boxing or you're too afraid to get close to your opponent. So you're just looking tough and swinging, you know. And, and what difference does that make? But if you're going to get close enough to hit, hit your opponent, guess what? Your opponent's close enough to hit you, right? If you're going to go toe-to-toe with the enemy, you might be able to make contact. Hallelujah. But guess what? He's going to be close enough to pop you one too. You better be ready, right? You better be ready. And then don't cry. You know, lose a couple teeth. Oh God, I gave my life to you and now I get my teeth knocked in. Well, this is why James says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. Because at least you're close enough to get punched in the face. Hallelujah, you're not stuck in the perpetual cycle of failure and falling away from God. You're actually engaging the battle and you got popped. Hallelujah, at least you're toe-to-toe with the enemy. Isn't that worth it? You know, you came up, preached a sermon, it was a complete dud. Well, at least did some preaching, you know. (laughs) Tried this, tried that, didn't work. At least you were there. Engage the battle. I love that verse. I'm going to just share some specific vision now. So we want to reach up, rise up, and reach out. We want to to connect with God. Hallelujah. Brothers and sisters, connect with God and get better. Get good at being a Christian. And then make a difference.
Reach up, rise up, reach out. Short-term vision for Good Hope Church. We are going to build the rest of this building. Amen? Come on. We got pipes in the ground that weren't in the ground last week. Next week it should look a lot different than it does this week. I'm very excited about that. We are going to build the building. Is Good Hope Church a construction company? No, we are building the, the rest of the building for a very specific reason, and that is so that we can do more ministry more effectively. And so what we want to do is we want to have enough room for kids' ministry to expand. Right? Right now they're in the entryway, or they're in the hallway downstairs, or they're in that little closet there. Well, guess what? We're going to have nursery, preschool, big kids' area. It's going to be great. Very, very helpful. Also, I want to be able to do all family Wednesday nights. So there's things for people of all ages on Wednesday night. One-stop shop. Show up. You can be a, a single adult. You can be a family with 10 kids. You just all show up. We have ourselves some church on Wednesday night. We need the rest of the building in order to be able to do that. I want small groups to happen in this building. Saturday night, this is a good example. Saturday night, here's what I want to have happen at 8 o'clock. So you come to church at 6.30, at 8 o'clock is your small group. My hope is to develop more SOAP small groups. You know SOAP, Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer, Daily Devotion. Read your, oh, read your little your thing. Your little, yeah, see there's a bar of soap on there. It's not an egg, it's a bar of soap. And it's got verses on it. it I thought first time, I like, there's something on that egg. But anyway, it's a, it's a bar of soap. And uh, it's got Matthew 17 through 21, if I can read that right. And uh, each, each day, read chapter, observe, you know, journal some stuff, app, scripture, observation, application, prayer, journal that. What I would love to do is see people have small groups where they go over their daily devotions at the same time as coming to church. So you show up for church. You're motivated to do your devotions. Maybe you just quick knocked them out real quick before church, you know. But hey, guess what? At least you did it. You got your devotions done. You're doing your daily stuff, connecting with God. You're getting your small group connections with people. And you're getting your big group part all in one stop. Doesn't that sound good? Talk about growing in your faith. You do that, you'll be growing. That'd be good. So I need small group leaders, right? I need small group leaders. So... Take the foundations class. If you haven't taken the foundations class, then you can be a small group leader. That'll be really wonderful. We're going to need a whole bunch of ministry leaders in various areas. If we're going to add Wednesday night like that, we need people to serve. Amen? We're going to need people making a difference. You can make a difference. Oh, do you like giving money? I'd love 20 grand more to finish off all the paving. That would be awesome. We could pave the whole thing. With 20 grand more. Yeah. Come on. Um, and then, of course, I could use lots of summer construction helpers starting the 1st of July. That would be great. Wouldn't that be something? Get that thing built. But not built for the sake of building it. Built for the sake of doing ministry more effectively. Seeing lives changed. Seeing ourselves get stronger. I'm going to invite the prayer team up. We're going to close. Um, I got some medium goals. I would love for Good Hope Church to be a church planting church. 
where we plant churches in other communities, where we, I would love to plant in rural communities where we can create a network that allows for uh, proper training and proper reimbursement for people who are serving in those areas. I got a big plan about that, but uh, I, won't, I won't go into it real deep. But let's close, and I want our closing scripture to be John 5, 19. I was at our ministerial alliance meeting this Thursday, and the, the person doing the devotions there read John 5, 19 and said, if we could just do this. Jesus gave them this answer. I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by Himself. He can do only what He sees His Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. When we're talking about vision, are we talking about the stuff that I made up about my goals of what I want to do? I tell you, I got set free a few years ago when I changed my prayers from, Lord, what do you want me to do? To, Lord, what do you want to do? When I got it off of me, so what do, you, what do you want to do in Cloquet? What do you want to do in the Christian community between churches? What do you want to do here in this church? Who do you want us to be? How do you want us to relate to the other churches? How do you want us to do your plan in this community? Lord, what do you want to do? And then we just get connected with that. And then we get to ride the wave instead of swimming out in front of it way better. Lord, what do you want to do? We're going to close in prayer. I want you to ask the living God that question. Lord, what do you want to do? And then ask him, do I have a part in that? All right? And then I'll open up for personal prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have a plan, that you are mighty. Lord, and we don't want to go out on our own. We don't want to miss you. We don't want to be uh, chasing after uh, illusions of vision, but we want to see what you want to do. So Lord, what do you want to do? Help us individually to ask that question. What do you want to do? And Lord, do we have a part in that? What is our part? How do you want us to hook up with you? Just show us and we'll walk with you We'll connect with you. We'll grow. We'll get better. We'll get stronger. And we'll reach out with what you show us to do. So bless us and encourage us, Lord. Help us to walk in your ways. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. We'll come on down for personal prayer. The prayer team's here. If you've got any need whatsoever, or even if you just want to be prayed for, come on down, receive prayer. Otherwise, you're dismissed. Say hi to somebody you don't know and encourage them in the Lord this morning.